Hi, I'm Leslie Liao. Do you love Radio Taiwan International's English content and wish it would never end? Well, who said it has to? The fun doesn't have to stop here. Check out our website, or our Facebook, or our YouTube, or our Twitter. Go to en.rti.org.tw for the latest Taiwan news stories. Check out Radio Taiwan International on Facebook to see great pictures of Taiwan. Go to youtube.com slash RTI English to view some of our great features. And when you're done, tell us what you think on Twitter. Our handle is Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. What are you waiting for? I'm here waiting for your message. And thank you for joining us here on Radio Taiwan International. If you're wondering, yes, I did do that ad in one take. <laughs> um, up next, I love the music. Thank you very much. I chose. I, it was a very rigorous testing. Uh, it was a very rigorous testing Selection process. process. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, now up there, up next is how we have for you newsmakers and uh, in the spotlight. But we're going to start off like we always do with uh, here in Taiwan. And uh, you know what? We might as well get away with it here. I'm your host this hour, Leslie Liao. And joining me for here in Taiwan is uh, Tomasz Koper. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan, where we talk about some of the uh, some of the news stories happening in Taiwan. It's kind of a talk radio news show. Uh, if you're joining us on our Facebook live stream, which we do stream on, today is Wednesday, January 12th. But if you're listening to us on your shortwave device, well, today is Wednesday, January 13th. And up next, uh, for the next 25 minutes, Tomas and I will be talking about a few news stories, one of them that includes... Uh, a missing F-16B fighter jet that uh, went missing off Taiwan's what eastern coast, I believe. No, western coast mm-hmm. on um, at around 3 p.m. We're going to be giving you the latest updates for that. And then the next story that we have is about meat imports, but it's not for the reasons that you think, nor for the reasons that we've been talking about for the past, say, three, four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a different... If you're thinking that we're talking about ractopamine treated pork imports, mm-hmm. well, you'd be mistaken because this is a whole nother issue. <laughs> and Taiwan loves to politicize meat imports. And the next thing you have is, um, what do we have? We have the Taiwan's passport and how powerful it ranks globally. I'll be having I'll, the Henley Passport Index is a yearly ranking of Taiwan's, uh, not t- Taiwan, the world's most powerful passports. And I'll tell you how Taiwan ranked and how Taiwan did compared to the other countries. Anyway, all that more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. All right, so let's talk about the F-16V accident that happened uh, yesterday. There's been a few developments, and we've gotten a little more information about so what happened. Maybe we should uh, explain yeah. what happened uh, from the beginning so uh, for our viewers who might not be aware. Did you want to cover it, Tomas? Or um, did you, have, uh, uh, you go ahead. Okay, so um, it's actually it involves one of Taiwan's very new, very highly publicized F-16V fighter jets. Yes. Now, if you didn't know, there's been a program in the works for a few years to upgrade Taiwan's F-16s that Taiwan purchased from the United States. Um, F-16s are fourth-generation fighters. They're a little bit older, but mm-hmm. they are still very uh, tactically relevant. Well, now, 
yeah. the the V variant especially it's yeah. the the latest upgrade uh, upgrade uh, block 9092 if I'm not mistaken that's uh, for the for the airplane aficionados among mm. our viewers and listeners and then um the F16Vs are what they're calling generation four and a half mm-hmm. uh, fighter jets and they're they're I guess they're competitive with uh, fighter jets of today you know like they're nowhere near as advanced as the f-35 or maybe the f-22 however combat wise they're still pretty good they're they're updated with mm-hmm. um pretty good technology um avionics avionics uh, right is the the big thing um interestingly i guess taiwan's very selective with its upgrades because i did a story on the f-16vs and there are a number of upgrades that happen right um instead of using fuel tanks attached to the side of the wing Typically, F-16Vs have conformal fuel tanks, which mm-hmm. are aerodynamically uh, uh, attached to the plane's fuselage. But Taiwan's F-16Vs apparently don't have that. And I'm told it's because Taiwan's F-16Vs don't need to go long riff, go yeah. on long-range missions, right? The um, range is uh, of less importance yeah. for Taiwan. Um, a few other issue, uh, things are like microwave radars, very highly advanced radars, and the heads-up display is also... Uh, very very advanced. Anyway, Taiwan was condu- Taiwan's air force at least was conducting exercises yesterday, um, specifically air to ground attack exercises. And during one of these exercises, an F-16V fighter jet went off the grid. Um, it blipped off the radar at around 3:23 p.m., around 30 minutes after it took off from Jiayi Air Force Base. Now Jiayi Air Force Base is around. Uh, Jiayi itself is between the center and south of Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And the Jiayi Air Base is one of Taiwan's first line of defenses when it comes to air incursions. Um, Jiayi residents reported seeing the jet crash into the sea because uh, I guess um, there was some suspicion. There was a few suspicions that the fighter might have defected or the <sighs> p- pilot might, may have defected. I Has that happened in the past? I I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. I don't I, I can't think of any incident like yeah. that. So the uh, Ministry of Defense actually came out and said uh, they found debris. They still haven't looked for the pilot. Now, what happens when they look... Because this isn't the first time a fighter jet crashed into the ocean. Um, I think last year, Taiwan lost... A, I guess maybe 2020, Taiwan lost an F-16. Yes. And then in last year, F-5Es, two F-5E fighters collided. Glided. And that's the F5Es. I find very—it's strange because they're like from the 1950s, oh, man. They're used as trainer jets. Okay, uh, in, in Taiwan right now, they're not in active um, combat service. Okay, um, and because of this most recent accident, uh, President Tsai Ing-wen has ordered the uh, all F16Vs to be grounded, so they're not allowed to take off, and. Not only that, but she's also um, say spare no effort to find the pilot, um, which is uh, all of this is standard procedure. Yeah. By the way, it's it's not unusual for a fleet of aircraft to be grounded after yeah. an accident or pending investigation. Yeah. Searches have been going on overnight, and they say that uh, weather conditions were good. There was visibility up to seven nautical miles, and they're still looking. They fired off flares to kind of light up the uh, the uh, the ocean to see if they can find it. There was no indication that the pilot ejected and no mayday call was made. Hmm. So that was, that's a little odd. Because, it is odd. Yeah. Because what happens when a plane is malfunctioning, they, they make mayday calls, right? And if it's, uh, if it comes down to the pilot's life and the airplane, well, the pilot obviously will be told to eject. Mm-hmm. Now, Leos, uh, the, we're talking about a, the pilot 
is uh, who's who's his name? Uh, Chen Yi. His name. He's a he's a rank of captain. Mm-hmm. And what makes it particularly difficult for me for the, for this news story is he's actually four years younger than I am, and he's accumulated three hundred and twenty four hours of uh, flying time, which is pretty substantial, man. On Cons- a fighter jet, yes. Yeah, considering. Yes, I, like fighter jets only exercise do exercises for an hour at a time maybe they yeah they they do not go on long sorties especially since as you mentioned they don't have additional fuel tanks yeah um the jet accumulated flying time was three hundred three thousand hours that includes uh the time that it spent <clears throat> sorry in the air before conversion to the v variant uh well after it was after it was upgraded it accumulated 400 hours right so that's even less mm. um they said that the jet had performed well over the past six months and the latest safety checks were carried out in late december which is very very recently um and it's actually kind of sad, man, because this he the kids, um, the, the I'm sorry, not the kid, the man, Captain Chen. the yeah, Captain I mean, Chen. He's he ranks higher than <laughs> I am, but to me, like he's four years younger. He's like, oh man, this is this is sad, dude, because this guy obviously very talented. Taiwan's F-16V, or at least pilot a uh, fighter pilot training program, is very selective, mm-hmm. and to be able to uh, get into it, to be able to commandeer one of the most I guess the best fighter jets that Taiwan has. You have to be very, very talented. So this is um, um, um I, 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 my heart really goes out to the family. My heart goes out to this guy who's who's obviously very, very talented. Yeah. Um, and you did a story recently about how Taiwan showed off its F-16V yes. uh, wing, which actually was commissioned r- relatively recently, meaning that the F-16Vs didn't come into service until. Relatively uh, recently, that's right. Yeah, uh, this is uh, last month, really. Yeah, uh, when when the the upgrade process at Jiayi Base was finished. Yeah, so that's that's very unfortunate. But um, right now, what we, where we're at is they found the plane debris. They have not found the pilot. We'll bring you the latest updates as this story develops. Yeah. Keep an eye on the RTI website. Yeah, the lack of Mayday is yeah, not a good sign. It's not a good sign. All right, Tomas. So we've been talking a lot about uh, meat imports in Taiwan over the past year, I dare say. And because um, the big issue right now with meat before uh, was Mm ractopamine-treated pork. Now, what happened was, this is a long story short, uh, Taiwan wants to import United States pork. Mm -hmm. And United States pork is treated with a leanness-enhancing additive called ractopamine. Now... There isn't a lot of agreement on how ractopamine affects the body, and it's actually, it's actually been like an issue of politics at this point, right? Because well, let's just say that uh, most countries allow uh, ractopamine-treated uh, meat products yeah. to be imported. Some countries do not. Yeah. That, so there are some concerns. Um, so what happens is they're looking at people who uh, import meat now. I, I think all. Like to import to to mail meat in any kind of way to bring it in in a non customs capacity. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it, if you go out and then you buy like a pack of beef jerky and you yeah. try to bring it to the country, that is illegal. Illegal. And yes. one of the main concerns is because Taiwan is trying to fend off uh, African swine fever. Now African swine fever. If you're freaking out right now, you're just like, oh no, this is like another disease. <laughs> oh no, <that> another one. <laughs> we have to worry about. It's not. The thing is, it. Is a virus that affects only pigs. Mm-hmm. It cannot be uh, transmitted between people and 
and uh, from pigs to people. But the thing is, Taiwan has a very big pork industry. And in fact, I think the, the premier recently said that the pork industry was valued at around 7 billion US dollars. Well, Taiwanese people sure like their pork. Yeah. So if African swine fever came in, because African swine fever is up to 100% fatal, mm. which is... Which is that's a terrifying number. Again, in pigs. In pigs. In pigs. That's right, in <laughs> pigs. I'm not trying to make any hysteria here. I'm just trying to contextualize it. Um, and if it got in and it made it to Taiwan's uh, pig farms, that would devastate. The... It would be a pretty serious blow. That's right. And according to latest uh, agricultural statistics, 14 countries in the region have been affected by African swine fever. Taiwan and Japan are the only countries that have successfully kept it out for now. So um, Taiwan is trying to crack down on meat imports, I think specifically from Thailand, because there have been an increase of packages that postal, postal, the Postal Service has processed from Thailand containing meat. That's right. And every time meat comes in and they detect it, they have to test it. And I think they tested it. It tests uh, often for African swine fever. And they're just trying to keep it out. This is... This was before COVID-19 was a thing. This was actually a really big uh, point of Premier Su Tsang's like, platform. He's just like, I don't want African swine fever in, in, in Taiwan. Well, in, uh, bringing in meat has been illegal in Taiwan for quite a while. Yeah. I remember my first uh, winter here in Taiwan, my mom sent me a care package for Christmas. Did they have kielbasa? And, yes, there was some sausage. And it was vacuum packed. It was sealed. It was, uh, you know, kind of uh, had a very long shelf life. And um, I was notified by the central post office uh, uh -huh. that my, my package has arrived and uh -huh. I should uh, go pick it up. Uh, I went there and the package was open. Uh, they took out the meat and oh. left, left all the other stuff. Uh, fish is fine, for uh -huh. example. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, you, can, you can bring in fish uh, without major obstacles, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's processed, you know, not, not fresh fish. So <laughs> terrestrial <laughs> meat is the, is the big problem. Yes. Um, and they, they took out, they showed me the, the meat that was in there. Mm. They said like, yeah, you can't, you can't have that in Taiwan. Um, so <clears throat> they showed it to me just to confirm that it was in the package. Mm -hmm. And then in right in front of me, they put it in a bin that was labeled to be burned oh. <laughs> for incineration. Oh, <laughs> no. no, I mean, so much good. I guess, I guess the sausage, but that's what you're supposed to do with the sausage, right? Put it in some flames. <laughs> yeah. The thing is though, Tomas, you, uh, you should tell your mom to be careful because oh, yeah, now of I, mean, I didn't um, know at the time the premier is actually calling on people who receive the packages to get fined as well wow so if they call you the central post office calls you and be like hey you have a package to pick up and you knew there's like meat products in there you're just like well you got the wrong guy man <laughs> you got the wrong guy <laughs> there is another Tomasz Koper from Poland living in Taiwan mm, well, I guess. <laughs> as luck would have it J Jason Chow said oh wow incinerated in front of you <laughs> well they didn't incinerate it in front of me they just put it in a bin that was just marked in let you know where it's going but it, it stung all the same yeah, it's like ah mm. All right, Tomas. So uh, earlier, I think, I want to say yesterday, the time difference is a little strange, but the Henley Passport Index is a yearly global ranking of the most powerful passports um, in the world. And Taiwan's passport is actually pretty nice. Mm -hmm. 
they what do they take into account when they publish their rankings? So uh, how many countries allow uh, holders of said passports to come in without visas? So I have the Henley Global Passport Index w website open here. It says the Henley Passport Index compares the visa-free access of 199 different passports to 227 travel destinations. Mm -hmm. So that basically means how uh, what passports can get in how many countries can a given passport access without needing to apply for a visa beforehand um if no visa is required then a score with the value one is created for the passport mm -hmm. so for i guess for every country that you can a passport can access without a visa it gets one point mm -hmm. and then it just keeps going um The same applies if you can obtain a visa on arrival, a visitor's permit, or an electronic travel authority. So this is getting very technical, right? From a traveler's standpoint, it's just you just show up to the country, and then you just give them your passport, and you're allowed in. Mm -hmm. And then as, as long as you don't have to go to like an emb embassy beforehand and apply for a visa, uh, that's fine. Well, Taiwanese people going to the United States uh, technically don't need a visa uh, or they don't need to apply at an embassy, but they do have to submit uh, uh, an application online yeah. uh, for, I forgot what it was called. Uh, it's a declaration of some sort? It's, it's in, instead of a visa, mm. you, you get an, a permit to enter the country. Okay, so uh, Taiwan has ranked 32nd. Now, do you venture to guess how many countries that a Taiwanese passport can access? So, uh, I would say 120. 145. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Tomasz, this is going to be welcome news to you. How huh. about the Polish Uh, I, I would say probably slightly higher, like all EU passports. Uh -huh. um, I would say t top 20, maybe? Significantly higher. It's actually in the top 10. Top 10? The Polish wow. passport ranks eighth overall eighth? in the world. Okay. And you can get, and you with your Polish passport can access 183 countries. Huh. The United States actually ranks sixth with 100, at 186 countries. I wonder what country it is that allows American passports. To travel visa free into, but not Polish passports. Um, There's three countries. I, I'm not or three territories. I, I don't know if they count uh, territories like dependencies like Guam, for example. Oh, maybe. Or or American Samoa. That's a good call. Um, okay, Tomasz. Last question. What do you think is the first, the most powerful in the world? I would say either Swiss or Norwegian. Uh, it's a tie for. There's a tie. Uh, let's see where Swiss... It's not Switzerland or Norway, huh. but the Norwegian passport is actually ranked six too. Switzerland oh. is six also. Wow, you're wow. actually pretty good. <laughs> you were right to group them together. The first country... The first uh, most powerful passport is either the Japanese or the Singaporean passport. Oh, is that so? Yeah. The second is Germany, tied with South Korea. Then Finland, Italy, and Luxembourg and Spain are tied for third. Hmm. And the fourth is Denmark, Austria, France, and the Netherlands, and Sweden, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, does um, this surprise you at all, man? Not really. Um, actually, I'm a bit surprised uh, at how low Taiwan ranked. I mean, it, 32 out of 199, yeah. you said, uh, is still very, very, very good. Mm -hmm. But um, I, would, I you know, would have placed Taiwan somewhere close, maybe close behind European passports in terms of strength. Taiwan works actually pretty 
Talmud works pretty hard to actually get visa-free access. I think that's one of the things that uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs really works hard on, um, just because the, having the passport is very, very... Uh, I guess it's a draw of having a Taiwanese passport. Mm-hmm. I guess because ta- Taiwanese people love to travel. That's right. They love yeah. to travel so much. It's 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 mind-boggling. Well, it also uh, being able to travel to a country without a visa also encourages tourism, encourages mm-hmm. travel. Um, so uh, the the recipient country also benefits from yeah. allowing passport holders from a certain country to come in without a visa uh this might be a long time ago for you but did you have to apply for a visa when you came in from taiwan uh, for the yes, first time yes i did um I, well i didn't have to but because i came on a student visa mm. i actually had to get it beforehand uh, otherwise i would have gotten the regular tourist visa 90 days but um at the time i'm not sure about now at the time it was impossible to exchange a tourist visa for an arc which is the alien alien residence yeah. certificate which I was getting because I was here as a student. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, recommended to me that, it, well, in case I didn't want to leave Taiwan halfway through my stay yeah. just to do a quote-unquote visa run, um, I should uh, get the the, the uh, visitor visa, which is, um, you know, the same, <laughs> almost the same as landing <laughs> visa, you know, in practice. But Pretty much. You know, for the bureaucracy, it, those are two separate things. They're actually saying that Europe actually dominated this list. Yeah. Um, I mean, European countries are um, known for strong passports, yeah. I guess. Uh, Taiwan used to actually have to apply for visas to get into the United States. And what happened was because I used to live, well, I live across the street from the old compound that was the de facto American embassy mm-hmm. in the United uh, in Taiwan which if that makes any sense and every saturday there would just be a line of people down the road just like trying to get a visa into uh, uh trying to get to America American visa right mm-hmm. and that, well, I, I was there for that exact purpose. Oh, were you? Um, at, at one point, yeah. Uh, my wife and I were traveling to the United States a few years ago. Oh, great. And uh, she didn't have to apply for a visa. I did. Oh, yeah. with a Polish passport? But at the time, uh, Polish people still had to, or Polish passport holders still had to apply for visas. Right now, there's, again, like uh, we're in the same category with um, Taiwanese passports. That's fascinating because I thought there was a lot of Polish people in the United States yeah. where they're just like and there, that, there are and there were yeah I, I mean there still <laughs> are right? that doesn't mean that it wasn't uh, difficult to get a, a visa that's exactly. maybe that's the reason why the visa restrictions were in place so much longer than in oh. in the case of many other European countries is it the case of unofficial immigration there are certain conditions that a country has to meet before it is granted a visa waiver uh, uh, status is that right yes and um part of that uh one of those requirements is the number of people who overstay their uh oh visas. oh and that used to be a big problem among polish people going I'm to guessing the united it states it might have been a big problem with taiwan too because taiwan didn't wasn't granted visa free access into the united states until pretty recently yeah that might have been the same um it's um the the reasoning behind it is to prevent people from just staying in the United States illegally. Yeah, so there you go. Wow, I didn't know that, Tomash. It's always fascinating doing this show <laughs> with you. You never know what you're going to learn. <laughs> That's about all the time we have for uh, this edition of Here in Taiwan. Like I said, up next I have for you is Newsmakers with Tomash and then uh, In the Spotlight. Anyway, uh, until I think... 
Tomash will be back with Shirley on Friday That's right. um, for the for online edition of update. Here in Taiwan. No, status update. Oh, for uh, status update. Sorry. Um, so no Here in Taiwan this Friday, but there will be status update, which we will do around the same time uh, on Friday. So 1 p.m. Taiwan time or whatever local time um, th it is where you are at. Yeah, and Tomash is only talking to the live stream, right? Yes. Uh, if you're yes. on shortwave, they're still here in Taiwan There's, on Friday. Still Don't you worry about that if you're listening on shortwave program and just freaking out right now. It will also be available on our website, which mm. we encourage you to visit. Uh, yeah. You can find us at en.rti.org.tw. Yeah. Anyway, guys, until, uh, I guess, Friday, we'll see you around. Bye. Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Newsmakers. Today I want to present to you the profile of a physician turned politician and the latest Democratic Progressive Party lawmaker Lin Jingyi. Lin was in the spotlight this week after winning a hotly contested by-election in Taichung's second constituency. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the woman herself. Lin was born in 1974 in Lugu Township in Taiwan's southern county of Nantou. She studied medicine at the prestigious National Taiwan University and Zhongshan Medical University where she trained to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. After graduation, she worked in that capacity at the Zhongshan University Hospital for a number of years. Her first foray into public life happened in 2007 when she became a member of the Gender Equality Committee of the Executive UN, Taiwan's highest administrative body. In 2014, she was again nominated to sit on that committee but resigned soon after receiving the appointment in protest over the brutal treatment of student protesters occupying the Executive UN. From March to April that year, a student movement, later called the Sunflower Movement, arose in opposition to the then-ruling KMT government pushing through a trade agreement with China without adhering to the proper legislative process. The students, concerned that the agreement would leave Taiwan vulnerable to political pressure from Beijing, occupied the Legislative UN and later attempted to do the same at the Executive UN before being brutally evicted from the premises by riot police. The use of excessive force against nonviolent protesters outraged Lin, who said she couldn't walk across students' blood and sit in a meeting with the then-premier Jiang Yihua as if nothing had happened. Lin said at the time that the Sunflower Movement was a political inspiration for her, and two months after she resigned from her executive UN position, she was appointed to the Democratic Progressive Party's Department of Women's Development. The following year, Lin was nominated by the DPP to run in national elections and won a seat in the Legislative UN in January 2016. During her first tenure as legislator, Lin Jingyi focused on the issues of gender equality, labor, and medicine. 
She proposed amendments that regulated criminal charges in cases of medical malpractice and protected the rights of HIV-positive patients. She also co-sponsored amendments to the civil code that aimed to legalize same-sex marriage in Taiwan back in 2016. Taiwan would have to wait three more years for marriage equality, which came in 2019 as a result of a constitutional court ruling. Lin was also outspoken on China, and especially critical of China's exclusion of Taiwan from many international bodies and intergovernmental organizations. Lin herself began attending parallel events hosted alongside the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women back in 2012, as Taiwan has no official presence in UN structures. Lin's outspokenness put her in hot water in early 2020 when she acted as a spokeswoman for President Tsai Ing-wen's re-election campaign. During an interview for the German public broadcaster Deutsche Welle, Lin said that any support for Taiwan's unification with China amounted to treason. She implied that in many cases, this kind of advocacy should not be protected under the principles of free speech. She also said that retired Taiwanese generals who attend official functions in China should be stripped of their pensions. These comments proved to be controversial in Taiwan and Lin resigned from her position in Tsai's campaign as a result. In October of last year, a legislator by the name of Chen Boi, representing Taizong's second constituency, lost his position in the legislative yuan following a recall vote, the first of its kind, to involve a sitting lawmaker. A by-election was called to fill the vacant seat. Taiwan's largest opposition party, the KMT, nominated a politician who had previously represented that constituency in the parliament before losing the seat to Chen Boi in the 2020 election, Yan Guangheng. Yen's family had had a strong influence on Taizong's politics for three decades, so his opponents in the election would face an uphill battle. In early November of 2021, the ruling Democratic Progressive Party nominated Lin Jingyi for the by-election. Lin managed to win the election on January 9th this year by a margin of 4.5 percentage points over Yen, defeating him and two other candidates. Sen Zhong, a political science professor at Donghai University, quoted by the Central News Agency, said that DPP's all-out mobilization in support of Lin's candidacy helped her win the race. DPP campaign strategists aimed to recreate the conditions surrounding the 2020 legislative elections when voters in Taizong cast their ballots based more on party affiliation rather than local factors. It was perhaps for that same reason that the KMT chose to distance themselves from Yen, fearing that their association with the candidate might hurt his chances. The KMT has been losing support among the Taiwanese population for a number of years, partly due to their advocacy for closer ties with China. That brings us to the end of this episode of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers.
Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. David Trott is someone who came to Taiwan because of his daughter. He met his Taiwanese wife in the States, and they have one daughter together. When she turned five, David figured that if there's anywhere where his daughter can learn and keep the Chinese language, it would have to be Taiwan. And so he's been here in Taiwan ever since. Retired, David loves fishing, and we talked about his interest in designing fishing lures last week. Today, we're going to talk about another interest of his that he found in Taiwan. Let's talk about this other creative part of yours, and that is something about sewage covers. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, what's the deal with that? I mean, okay, earlier on, David showed me this scroll, mm-hmm. like a Chinese scroll, scroll, and it's got this um, a beautiful, actually, this is one of the designs that you see everywhere. Yeah. So when David unscrolled the scroll, I immediately recognized that, you know, that sewage cover. It's a, it's a very nice one with um, like a little girl kind of like on a bicycle, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. two, I think two. And a boy behind and her. And a boy behind her and, you know, just uh, biking along. And, but it, it, it sounds very common, but it sounds like nothing, but it's really a very common, you know, sewage cover uh, that you can find all over Taipei. Mm-hmm. And then there are some Chinese writings underneath it. Mm-hmm. And apparently David has this um, design inspired some poetic Mm-hmm. thinking and so then he got someone to use Chinese calligraphy and wrote some transcriptures under the thing it's a nice beautiful long Chinese scroll which he has some business idea to go with that <laughs> well, let's talk about that how did that happen <laughs> again I, I it's just my natural way of being uh, and this is honest from my childhood I, I think derived from my mother because my mother was a uh, group in a very dirt poor mountain community in fact where she grew up, she didn't even have a. F- she had dirt on for her floor, mm-hmm. and then for they had no windows. They used brown butcher paper to nail to the windows and cover with bear fat to keep the uh-huh. uh, to keep the heat out. Yeah. Very very poor, but she used to always draw. And there was a, a Baptist missionary couple that uh, was working in the mountains, and they offered to my grandparents to take my mother to Washington, D.C., and enroll her in an art school. Mm. And they did that. They paid for everything. So my my mother's eye is I inherited that. You definitely did. And my father's intellect, I got that. So when we grew up as kids, as, as early as I can remember, we always made our own Christmas decorations. Okay. We always painted our own uh, murals on our own bedroom walls. And uh, my uh, older sister, who's passed away, is six years older than me, she especially got this artistic uh, uh, interest. You know, you know, some kids grow up with their parents play a musical instrument, and yes. they learn their musical instrument. Right. So this came through my mother, and so I would spend probably two or three hours a day drawing before I ever read. Oh, and that's okay. the truth. So yeah. I have this eye, and uh, when I go out, I see things that that are to me are beautiful, and that there, there's a creative eye. Went into placing that tree there. You see bonsai trees. It's art, yeah. art. And so in Taiwan, different than in the states, um, what I noticed was that the sewer covers, the manhole covers, not always, uh, and, and uh, but oftentimes, in the uh, in, in townships, little villages, and, and even citywide, they have a story that someone has taken the time to think about the community. 
What is the most notable thing about this particular this particular community, the Guangfu Bridge, the bicycle pass along the rivers, the boy and the girl, they look like brother and sister smiling, mm. laughing, having a wonderful time mm. with dragonflies in the background uh, and a beautiful yeah. day. And what a, I make goosebumps thinking about it. It's mm. just a beautiful story on a manhole cover, yeah. a piece of metal on the ground. Uh. And then go to uh, other places, Dashi, Sanshi, uh, uh, they go Tainan, Taichung, and you look around and some communities have that. Mm-hmm. And that means some someone with that eye mm-hmm. thought, well, let me, let's me let just take something that's ordinary and give it some beauty. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing, the, the, the sewer cover, but I think it's even more beautiful than the way it looks to the ordinary eye because when you look at it, from when you're walking along, most people don't even look at it. To be honest with you, I do. Oh, you do good. You know, that's great. Yeah, I have this funny habit. I, uh, I guess I have this compulsive disorder that is I like cleanliness. Okay. I don't like stepping on dog poop. Well, so you, I'm looked down. I don't either. <laughs> well, okay. I, most of the time, I look down when I walk on the streets, uh-huh. any streets, oh yeah, any pavements. Yeah. So I, I notice these sewage covers all the time. And I used to take pictures of them. If oh, I really? find, you know, like a, an unusual one, a mm-hmm. nice, beautiful mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah. I have a collection I, I, of photos, too. <laughs> so, hey, there's something coming. There you go. That's great. Go. And it, well, we'll just go with that. Take the photo. It captures the eye for, for people like us who have, you see that aesthetic, that beauty there. And uh, I think, I don't recall who it was. It was maybe my Ph.D. director who once said, everything you're looking at is a gift. Someone created that doorknob. Someone imagine what it could be and created that so even in the microphones were talking to our gift from someone in their with their create creative impulse imagination to make something better than what it was before so look at everything in life as a gift so when i look at the manhole covers i think i if i if i can only be in the the, the head of the person who imagined that how cool that would be but i can't but there it is. You can't. I, I was going to say, approach the government, say they give me this job. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it would be very interesting. Right. So looking at the, the, the manhole, the, uh, the sewer covers, um, they are a, a relief. It's raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's gray on gray. Mm-hmm. So you look down at it, you see, and particularly if it's, only if it's wet can you, and it's all filled, can you see the relief stand out really well? Mm-hmm. So the background, the foreground are, are not contrasted. So they really is not, I think it's, you can appreciate it even more if you could see that design in another medium. Sure. So the photograph, I take photographs too, just to remind me where these are, because I can go back someday and do yeah. them. But I thought with traditional Chinese paintings, they have three basic colors, the, the white and mm-hmm. the black and a little bit of red. red. And that I heard before that uh, before a, a, a traditional Chinese artist would start to draw, he or she would just imagine for hours the layout of their of their uh, of their ox or their horse or whatever it is on the canvas. The canvas sort of speaks to them. So I thought that medium on paper, the contrast with the white background, which will be the the, the base space, and then whatever the relief is coming up from the manhole cover, would be beautiful. And I thought, well, maybe I could just put an ink roll over top of them, playing my head with that idea. That wouldn't work. Uh, number one, I think it wouldn't be very environmental <laughs> to be putting ink in the street. Right. <laughs> number and number two, when you pull up an image like that, because I've I've done block printing, everything on the on the sewer cover is backwards. 
Uh, right? It's backwards, yeah. like a reverse negative. Right. So that wouldn't do it. That so, wouldn't do it. Okay. And I thought, well, how how in the world I walk around and I see these 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 ink things that are rubbed of of the ancient Chinese writing, like of the calligraphy. Well, they do it in a special way. They put rice paper on the uh, on that image, mm-hmm. you know, and then they they somehow kind of get the stick, and then they take an ink dabber and they yeah. put the ink, and, and then when they take it off, it what it's what they see is exactly what it's shown. Okay. So I investigated, taught myself by watching almost thirty videos. Good for you. In detail, how yeah. to do that, and then I f- I found one behind my a friend of mine's. Uh, little coffee shop where no one's actually there. There are thousands of these in these little walkthrough between oh, buildings oh. that are covered with trash. And I just uh-huh. alleys full of trash. So I dug around. I found one, and, and so I, I used that one. And I did you that. You found what? A, a manhole cover. Oh. It was there, but no one, no one, nobody had walked in that spot for probably twenty years. Right. To be honest. Oh. And so I have a back problem. So I lifted it and put it on a, on a surface, and I do it and I put it back. And so I taught myself. <laughs> Many, many, many mistakes um, with the ink. But again, in my retirement, I want to, I want to challenge, a creative challenge. I, in a way, I'm living now the sort of passion that I would have loved to have had as a livelihood when I was a child, to have a, a career doing something creative instead of having a, a secure, because artists is very difficult to make a living very, very difficult. So yeah, I made, you tell me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if I, I swerved off the topic there, but that's how I became interested. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm speaking with David Trott, the founder of Dapu Fishing Lures Limited. The next thing you're going to have to challenge yourself is to learn calligraphy. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. I learned it. I didn't know before calligraphy. And I would ask some friends, could you try that? And and honestly, they can write, of course, Chinese characters, Taiwanese. But it's not pretty. And then I learned there are like five basic oh, styles of calligraphy. I had no the idea. Tons, yeah. there's, this, there's, this, there's a slow a cursive, a cursive. fast cursive, a medium speed uh-huh. cursive, a block. I didn't know any of that. Um, so I, I see the calligrapher as quite artistic, incredibly artistic. And you know, there's lots of competitions and it's amazing. Well, you know, when I went to school in Tokyo, basically people who don't understand the Chinese language, they say, how do you draw those Chinese characters? Oh, right. right. right? Mm-hmm. So if you just think of it as art, it's like drawing. You can't do it. You don't have to really learn the whole Chinese language first before you start doing calligraphy. Right. Right? You agree with it's me, David? I agree with you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, David, you've been in this um, in Taiwan for 12 years? 12 years. Right. And and you said that you haven't quite mastered the Chinese language oh, yet. Gosh, but no. that's okay. You don't have to. You know? And this since you love art so much, I mean, it's just amazing. Your life is very colorful, you know, from what you were doing before retirement and what you're doing now. And it seems like you have endless ideas about creativity. Uh-huh. And it's just amazing. I know that I'm going to be having you come in another time, sometime down the road, mm-hmm. and talk about other things that you're that is actually I your interest. To. But yeah, what's your next step with that though? The manhole on Chinese scrolls and 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 the calligraphy. I mean, is that going to be business I, I, I want, too? You want well, to do I, that, right? I, well, the business is Along not what's, the, flow. the business is not what's driving me. What's driving me is I that I okay. is I want a, a memory of the beauty. Beauty. And the business thing is. Is just maybe it ha- maybe it happens maybe, maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't, you know? okay. maybe it doesn't. Okay. but it's a funny thing we were talking about uh, 
I'm bilingual in Spanish, but Chinese is a very difficult language. Mm. But my mail ticket, my reason for being here is teaching English. So, and but Taiwan is almost like bilingual in the big cities. Yeah, it's but really some amazing. people do complain about the fact yeah. that there's not enough English signs, English instructions, English this and that. So, which yeah, yeah. we can do better. But my friends would say uh, when I was in Kaohsiung, I, I had a a. a a four-wheel Korean Jeep and, and spent many, many weekends deep in the mountains of the Rukai, Lukai, Paiwan, Bunun tribes. Yes, all the indigenous and, tribes. And they would say yes. about me, David doesn't need to speak Chinese. He'll just draw a picture. <laughs> and it always happens. I say, oh, I need this. You have, where can we find one of these? Oh, okay. Yeah. It works yeah. quite well. I like it. I know. Where do you want to go from here? I mean, I mean you've actually told me about things. You, you're already looking ahead mm-hmm. and you're already having an idea about you know, all, all sorts of ideas. Is there a bigger picture, a bigger dream? Are you going to be here for good in Taiwan? You think? Yeah, I think. Um, right. I think that as long as the, the situation is, is stable here in Taiwan, mm. uh, I tell my friends it, it's, a, it's a wonderful place, particularly Taipei, New Taipei City, to yeah. retire. Uh-huh. <laughs> within within three hundred meters of where I live, my my dentist, dermatologist, <laughs> ophthalmologist, MRT station, library. Park yeah. eateries everywhere, yeah. uh, pharmacies. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And and then it's like an hour's drive yeah. to the ocean or to the mountains. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All this convenience. Yeah. Totally. What do you hope to accomplish? Let's say five well, years from qu- now. That's a good. a good question. Ten years from now. How do now. you? As, as, the question is, is, is this relates a bit to research that I've done. What do you want to be? I want to be happy. Okay. I want to be creative. I don't have. I don't have better than really anything. materialistic uh, okay. desires. Okay. I don't have uh, I, the the, the financials as long as it can sustain my livelihood and, and contribute to my family. It's, it's a question, what do you want to become? I just want to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to be living as close as I can to happiness and creativity with the last breath of my life. I want that to be. Not that I have X, Y, Z possessions. Yeah. And I'm doing that now. <laughs> All right. And so if I can, can combine my sort of creativity with some livelihood and this mm-hmm. is like a little it's like an income stream a small mm-hmm. income stream ideally i think with the lures in particular if if my friends have encouraged me to get a patent on these so i have a patent pending oh, on yeah. this okay. and also a licensing agreement mm-hmm. with a larger company okay and if with a licensing agreement that would secure provide some financial security yes but i can still be creative every day thank you so much david it's been really a lot of fun just talking to you yeah contaminate people with this happiness well thank that you for like listening a, a bad word to use contaminate but anyway well, yeah well, <laughs> it's a posi- right. it's a positive, positive contagion. contagion okay yeah. right thank you david thank you Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. 
For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.